0: Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire. We have an exciting episode this week for you. We're going to go through our quest log and look at all the new, new stories. We're going to talk about the And you're just jumping
1: right into the business of this thing. We are. You're not this even saying, Hi, my now. name is Holden. You're not no. saying, This is Chad. You're not saying, no, hey, we talking about that. video games? If this no, is we are talking about first... video games in this podcast. What, we're what talking if about someone's quest listening blocks? to this for the very
0: first time? No, they're not. They're
1: like, <laughs> Oh, Respawn Aim Fire got it. Yep, <laughs>
0: they got it all. <laughs> we're talking about. All the news that went on this week, we're talking about the future of video games and the hurdles the industry has to tackle going forward. It's going to be great. It's going to be really exciting.
1: Holden, but how are start you today? Off,
0: what is that? How are you today? Uh, I'm pumped to do this podcast.
1: You are pumped to do this podcast? Me too. I'm pumped to
0: do this podcast. I'm Coco for Coco Puffs right now about this podcast.
1: You're Coco for Coco Puffs. <laughs> 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 uh, I am chocolate for cereal, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that was the advertisement. See, I'm Coco I'm for cocoa
1: pup. for cuckoo poops. That's not my going, I'm joke. I cuckoo for cocoa puffs? It is. Is oh, so I'm
0: cuckoo for cocoa puffs. That's what it is. Cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Yeah. Yeah. Cuckoo for cocoa. But I'm cocoa, cocoa for cocoa,
1: cocoa <laughs> Pops Pope. Oh man, it's one of those days. I've had a long day. I'm gonna mess up some words. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be real silly.
0: Oh no, you could do a it's drinking game silly. to me messing up words during our recordings. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't drink. You don't drink, oh, but maybe our listeners our audience Gotcha. Do. Yeah. Okay, okay, gotcha. Yep. But we start off. But yeah, every I like week. doing this thing. I'm glad. I'm excited to do this podcast. It's, it's very exciting. Do you know what I like to hear, Chad. What do you like to hear, Holden? I like to hear what you've been playing this week.
1: Oh, you're so playtime. fucking
0: considerate. So goddamn considerate. Oh, wait, no, I want to go first. You don't get to talk yet.
1: Okay. <laughs> no, What's go ahead. play,
0: Holden? No, you go first.
1: All right. So this week i play playtime with Chad. I playtime with Chad. Playtime with me, Chad. I played a few things. I jumped into Bayonetta on Switch.
0: this is the, I saw that.
1: This is the first time that I've played Bayonetta. I'm no stranger to Platinum Games, however, mm-hmm. who developed it. You were um, a
0: big fan of Metal Gear Revengeance, if I remember. Huge fan. Nope. Nope.
1: No, no <laughs> How you were I, I played a little bit of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, chopped up some watermelons, and I said, huh, this game's not for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did enjoy. I played Devil May Cry four. I played a little bit of the other Devil May Cries in the HD collection a while ago as well. But Bayonetta is, at its core, it is platinum action done beautifully. Like the combat it's also, itself it's is so one of the satisfying best. and smooth. It's Such one of the best action games you yeah, can buy. It's as fantastic. Well. And if you're used to Devil May Cry <clears throat> or if you're used to almost like Ninja Gaiden, almost like those those button combo kind of things. This is going to feel very familiar to you. I am... The biggest thing about this game is I am so surprised that it is a Nintendo game. That it is so... Like, Nintendo's funding it, beating the, the doldrums on it. Like, this yeah, game? I feel uncomfortable playing this game. Well, I did it first, actually. In what,
0: so, in what way? How is it uncomfortable?
1: Do you know... So, Bayonetta is a witch... I know she has guns for sho- or shoes or guns. Guns for shoes. Yeah, guns in her hands, and her costume is made out of her hair. We'll get to more costume stuff in a second, though. But she, the game is so overt about sexuality. Like that's very Nintendo. When you're fighting like a boss, the the ending like finishing move is called a climax, and you hit the <laughs> button combination. You go ah, and then a giant like demon pops out of the wall and eats them and (laughs) and
0: and, but it's the company that took blood out of metal uh, mortal combat yep
1: there are so many like slow-mo shots where she's like fanning her legs out and you just get like three seconds of slow-mo shot of her vagina and her boobs are constantly show her
0: vagina no but it
1: is a it's not like you don't see the lips But her legs are spread and you're looking straight at her crotch for nonstop for like three seconds in slow motion. (laughs) But the game, I mean, it kind of embraces that sexuality in a like I am woman kind of way, which is cool to see.
0: But it's... Female empowerment.
1: It's one of those things that like I do feel I'm playing it in public because it's on my Switch. And I'm like, is anyone seeing over my shoulder right now? Do I have to explain (laughs) to anyone? Mommy,
0: there's a pervert playing as Nintendo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that part surprises me that Switch is so behind it. I mean, it's a cool game, I'm glad it's on their system, but it surprised me that they're like, Bayonetta 2, we're gonna fund it, Wii U exclusive. Bayonetta 3, fuck yeah, put that on Switch.
0: I think it would be more surprised if they had slow-mo shots of Mario's crotch while doing flips and stuff. <laughs> That'd be more surprising, because it's not made by Nintendo, but yeah. I see your point, like, yeah. they financed Bayonetta 2, they're financing Bayonetta 3. Yeah,
1: I'm about a quarter of the way through the game. It is, uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I like the character of it all. It's It's very, very hokey in like an okay. anime kind of way, but not like, I'm usually turned off by anime type stuff, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to play that, but it's like very hokey in a funny, stupid kind of way, so I enjoy that. It doesn't
0: take itself seriously, I take it.
1: Right. Yeah. Which is part of why the sexualization of it isn't offensive. It's just like, oh, that's that's weird, and I guess kind of funny. But good for her. <coughs> but part of what I like about the Switch versions is you have the option, instead of having her a normal outfit, you have the option of playing as Slutty Peach, or Slutty Daisy, or Slutty Samus, or Slutty Link. <laughs> Are
0: they Are not called Slutty Samus, Slutty Link? No, it's,
1: uh, it's Mushroom Princess, or the whatever-the-fuck-town-Daisy's-from-Princess, okay. or, like, yeah, but you're, it is those outfits. But it's kind of cool, like, the power-ups you collect or, like, the, the currency you collect from be- defeating enemies changes depending on the costume you're using. So, like, if you're Peach, it's coins. If you're Link, it's rupees. If you're Samus, That's it's like something that. I don't remember. And then, like, your guns will change. Like, if it's Samus, it's a beam cannon, and it's shooting beams instead of the bullets. That makes sense. Link has the ability, like, if you deflect, if you push the thumbstick in the direction of an enemy as he's attacking you, it deflects it with the Hyrule shield, which you can't do with any other outfit. So, I mean, it's kind of Cool. Ooh. I like those little flares and I've I've played a chapter as each one. She doesn't do the Daisy screaming, which I'm so happy for because Daisy Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I am Daisy. I'm a slut. <laughs> like that shit's obnoxious to me. I hate Daisy, but she was that so was good the exact audio recording
0: for Mario Kart, right? She said she was oh, a slut okay. in Mario Kart.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I heard Bayonetta 2 is better, so I can't wait to finish this when I get to yeah, Bayonetta 2. I have but heard that. Yeah. I, there's nothing bad about it so far. I'm enjoying it. So, I think it's kind of cool and fun and really. I'm not combat. a
0: big action game fan. Like I like God of War. They're fun games, but I'm not like I don't get excited for God of War games because it's not my yeah. style of game. This isn't gonna sway me. Is right. This isn't.
1: This is what I'm uh, it's not the type like a God of War. Like the combat itself isn't like God of War. That's so hard because basically you're doing the same exact things. You're hitting a button combination, and you have a bunch of different ones you can do. You just remember the, like, the chains of Olympus. If you play a Devil May Cry or Metal Gear Rising: Revengeance or, or uh, Bayonetta or whatever the other fucking one I mentioned was, uh, they they have a very distinct. Oh, Ninja Gaiden! They have a very distinct yeah. play style that is so smooth. God of War is cool, and you have like different finishing moves, and you're like oh, smash somebody's face into the ground or rip them into pieces, but. They're different play styles, okay. but it is very much combat focused. And the cutscenes in between is like you're in a big area, you fight some monsters, some cutscenes, then you go to the next space, fight some monsters, some cutscenes. So it's not very like explorative, but it's fun. I'm gonna get to one more. I'm gonna skip the second one that I wrote on the list, and I'm gonna go through the next four. I went to a friend of a friend's house. First of all, I went to go see the movie Game Night. Very fun right. movie. As Very soon as I movie. got out of the movie, I got a phone call from a friend who said, hey, like immediately after I got out of the movie, he said, hey, so I have this game night. And I thought it was a <laughs> joke. I was like, D- did I tell you I was going to go see game night? He's like, I have this game night. Nobody showed up or not. Nobody showed up, but there, there were a few people who won't be able to come. So it's at my friend's place. So it was a friend of a friend. I was like, uh, uh, yeah, this is going to be awkward, but sure, I'll go because you're my friend. And I went and it was actually a ton of fun. But at this game night, they do this monthly, and they play a bunch of like, like smaller indie, more social type games. And I've always, for the most part, been a, a single player type person, mm-hmm. and I've never been like a social gamer. I've occasionally have friends over, but I've never been into these smaller games. That now I've just have a little bit more of appreciation for. The first one we oh, I saw played was, one of these
0: on here, and I've played one of these for sure.
1: Uh, Windjammers is the first one we played. And it's like a, it looks like straight up if you took Street Fighter and mm. looked at it from the top down. And instead of fighting, you're like playing Frisbee golf. Or not Frisbee golf, like okay. more like Frisbee soccer. But it's like with these stupid exaggerated characters from different countries. And they all have stupid sunglasses on and they have power moves and you can throw it. But it's just a fun-ass time and it's really simple. So everybody there, like not everybody there was a gamer. All you have to do is hit the square mm. button and move. That's it. So that was super fun, and to just be in a room of people playing that and trading the controller back and forth. Uh, we played Puyo Puyo Tetris. That was super fun, too. Like, Tetris, to me, as a single-player game, is boring as fuck. And Puyo Puyo, which is basically Dr. Robotnik's Mean Green Machine from way back in the Genesis and Game Gear games, was eh, kind of fun. But in this one, you, it switches back and forth automatically, and then whatever the mm-hmm. other players do like affects your game. So that's also super fun to play in a group.
0: I never understood that though. Like I never understood how what I do on my Tetris board or Puyo Puyo board, how it impacts the other player. I never understood. So what? How that like
1: works. one of them was if I got a Tetris, which is when you get four lines in a row. Yeah. If I got a Tetris, that adds four lines to everybody else's screen. Oh. Or if I got a chain of three Puyo Puyo, I feel so stupid saying that. If I get a chain of three Puyo, Puyo, Puyo. clears in a like one clears that causes another and that causes another, then a bunch of gray. Puyo's fall on everybody else, and Puyo Puyo is all... God, that sounds so stupid saying it. <laughs> it's all color-based, so that fucks everybody else up. So that's it. was a really fun time, but what I really loved was Video Ball. Have you ever heard of Video Ball? No, but it sounds like a fake sport, like, basketball <laughs> or something. It is the simplest game in the world. All of these were on PS4, by the way. The simplest game in the world, and everyone is a triangle. On the screen. Okay. That's it. Four players, you're triangles. And there are circles that appear on the screen up to three at a time that are balls. And you shoot the balls. Wait, the circles are balls? Yes, yes. That's hard. And I you have, can't picture it. You that. have goals on either side of the screen. So you have your goal and then the opponent's goal. The The whole thing is just get the ball into the opponent's goal.
0: But you're wait, a triangle. Wait, run those rules one more time. I That's. Can't. I can't That's do that. It's too
1: complicated. It's too complicated.
0: I can't, I can't right, explain I'll, it All I'll try to follow along. So you're shooting the
1: balls with your stupid little triangle, and you can like charge it up and shoot it to shoot further. But the controls are not like – when I push down, it's like, like Mario running on ice where he kind of slips and slides a little bit. It's not the okay. most precise control, which makes it fun yeah. and stupid and interesting. <laughs> but the whole time – I think what made it most fun was that like arcade style, everyone had to name their character, and it had three spots for a name. So the names that we were playing with, you just see a bunch of triangles all over the screen that are named Ass, Fuck, and Poo, and then Dan. <laughs> so we, you just see, like, Fuck is shooting at Poo, and Dan is blocking Poo from getting the ball into the goal. I think that might have been part of what made it so fun, is just screaming those obscenities at each other. But, damn, that game was just, like, for as simple and stupid as it was... That gave us a good 45 minutes of entertainment right there of just six people trading off being ass and Dan.
0: So I think I'm
1: going to buy that game.
0: Are you going to buy the next game though? Because I like the next game. It's really a collection Ooh, of games.
1: Yeah, but... this is the first time I ever played Jackbox Party Pack. It's fun. and Yeah, it's fun. We played a few different mini games in that one like the murder mystery one or the, the, the trivia one where you get murdered if you get it wrong. I haven't uh, played the one.
0: I, I don't know, because there's multiple box packs for, for yeah. Jackbox um, Party Pack. But I played one, I think it was in the second pack, where you, it's a trivia game, and it gives you a question, and then you have to write out an answer to trick other people in selecting that one. Yeah. But then one of them is the correct answer. Yeah. And that one was always pretty fun.
1: So what I like about it is how accessible it is. Like, I, all of these games, really. My roommate's not a huge gamer. She'll occasionally, like, play street fighter with me on this snes classic or mortal mm-hmm. Kombat or something but like any of these it's games, pretty intense I feel like someone could... doesn't
0: game very often like i, know. I don't play games just blah, blah, but i play brutal fighting games when i do
1: <laughs> <laughs> but any of these games i feel like i could just put a controller in her hand and she would feel comfortable playing it we could have a good time
0: well they're more like you know uh, virtual or video game based board games is kind of what they're like kind of yeah yeah so i had a great time
1: at that game night super fun they liked me so i'm invited back next month
0: they liked you? Oh my gosh. They I'm did. So, I impressed I'm by so it. happy
1: for you. <laughs> also, the last game that I played, which is my new fucking
0: obsession, is Sprint Vector. Have you heard of this one? I haven't, but I noticed that in your list of games here, it's the only one in all caps and many exclamation points. Yes!
1: This is the game
0: <laughs> we saw
1: PlayStation reveal at Paris Games Week, I think. It's a VR game, and I don't it's a colorful running one, it's a sprinting game. And you have y- to run? You said... Physically move? You said, man, that sounds like it's going to be motion sick inducing as fuck. Uh, yeah, I take it it's not because you're really excited about it. It's it's not. Here's why. The entire thing is, is around a mechanic where you have the move controllers in your hand and you're moving yourself forward by grabbing in front of you and flinging your arm backwards. So it's like you're almost like pulling on a rope with each hand or you're huh. like like ski poles almost so that's how you're advancing forward instead of using a joystick which obviously our body is like a joystick doesn't control me but if i'm doing this like with ski poles that feels natural to me and my mind kind of adapts to it and it's like oh i'm moving forward right now so i'm not once ever like i don't think anyone could get sick playing this game but it's so fucking fun it's, it's, it's a racing thing. So there's eight characters you're racing, like Mario Kart. You have little Iron Man cannons on your hand, too, so you can, like, shoot lasers at people as they're running. As you're running on the track, you have to also shoot obstacles. And then you, you're you jumping with the move button. And you, like, push down to jump up, and you, like, fling your things. Anyway, it's so fucking fun, and it's a hell of a workout, too. I've legitimately entered this into my workout routine because the whole time Damn. I have, like, my heart rate's above, like, 140 non-stop through this whole thing i'm drenched That's intense for a video game i know i'm drenched in sweat by the end of it so i legit i just started i'm never to... using
0: your vr headset again <laughs> i that know it's so gross, gross.
1: <laughs> but there's also an online component to it too so i was racing i i started to do pretty well with um with single player in the vr mode and i'm like racing the computer and it's not like just like racing on a track it's you're going through obstacles, different squares and things like that. Moving on the track, there's fire. You have to make jumps and run along. Anyway, shut up. Shut up. Just get to the point. I play- <laughs> I played online for the first time with a couple of people uh, and came in dead last every single time. <laughs> it is a game that is so easy to get the hold of. And you're like, man, cool. I understand this mechanic. But to and- master it. Oh, but it is so tough to master. But it's fucking, and there's power ups you can get too. Like you can set mines that slow people down. You can set homing missiles. You can have a boost that makes you run as fast as you want. It's so fucking cool. So I've played it, like, of the five nights I've had it, I've played it three of those nights as part of my workout routine. Damn. It's so boy. fucking fun. That's my new favorite VR game. Really? It's up there, like, of my top VR games. I think that and Super Hot are tied for first.
0: Super Hot's great. Super Hot's so Superhot. great. Well, we are to talk about another virtual reality game in a little bit here. That's oh, awesome man. Sorry. I just got good.
1: all worked up. That's no, all I fine. played
0: this week, Holden. That's all you played. Holden, all those 6 games. Tell me a little bit about
1: playtime with Holden this week.
0: Oh, I don't have nearly as much as you. Because so I was at power for four days and didn't have any video yeah, games. Yeah, you didn't to have play. friends with. Game night parties. (laughs) So I played, finally, the Mario Odyssey Balloon Find. Oh, hide and seek. And I didn't like it. You didn't like it? I didn't like it. But hold on, it was on Switch. So it's so annoying because, all right, here's what it is.
1: (laughs) You sounded so sad. I was really upset. I didn't
0: like it. (laughs) (laughs) So it is just two modes. One is you hide a balloon somewhere in one of the worlds. And yeah. the other is, is you try to find other people's balloons. <laughs> and you – some of them are really easy to find because people are just like, I'm going to walk around the corner of this building and hide the balloon right there. Or no one will ever find it. And then you find it immediately because it's just around the corner of a building. Yeah. But then there's some where it's like they found some way to like jump really far and then they dropped it mid jump so you have to like jump the exact way that they did to get it like or maybe just understanding what they did properly but then you have all these people and i did a story about this last week and now i've experienced the story for myself and it's really fucking annoying where people glitch the game and go inside walls and put the balloons in there but here's the thing is a lot of people know how to do it so you're like oh i'm gonna do this one i'm gonna pay you have to pay a certain amount of coins to find the balloon And then you get rewarded many coins when you do find it. So you're like, oh, this one's only 50 coins. And I get 250 coins if I win it. And I go find it. And then there it is stuck in a wall. I'm like, well, fuck. Now I can't can't do this one. So I have to quit it. And I'm like, well, try this one instead. And I noticed that the arrow is pointing in the same exact direction as the other trap balloon was. Like, no, it could be the same thing. And you go after it. No, it's the same thing. Someone else hit the balloon in a trap location. And it's just, it's just not fun. It's just not fun. Aww. It's a cool concept, but I yeah. don't enjoy it. I really don't.
1: Yeah, I think it's it would work. I, I like the idea that it's like extra stuff to do once you found all the moons, and you're like, I just need to challenge somebody else. It's like user-generated moons almost. Yeah. Like abbreviated. But that, yeah, that... that. That sounds poopy.
0: I'm sorry. It's pretty poopy. It's okay. I'll be fine. The but I did have did a good experience with the next game. What is it? Go. Oh, Tell me. So this is a game I've, I've played for a long time. It's not a new game, but I played my very first elusive contract on Hitman. and so the first my, time you did the elusive contract? I, I, just, I strike that. My first time I've done one. I completed one. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because they're kind of hard. You, you have one chance to do it. If you die, that's it. And this one was a little bit harder. It was you have to kill this guy, and then you have to find this... Um, like porcelain uh, white egg in a a safe somewhere in the house. Kind of like game night. (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly what I thought about. And the guy is just walking around in the most crowded areas of the building. And I'm like, there's no opportunity for me to get this guy. There's just no way. But I noticed that sometimes he would go off to this little courtyard area, and there's a slight moment where his bodyguard who's falling behind him is out of eye shot. So I'm like, I don't going to do I have a remote explosive. I'm going to put it against the wall. And then I'm going to walk away. And when he gets close to it, I'm just going to go ahead and detonate it. While I'm going to set it up, he turns the corner and goes, oh, this guy has a weapon. And he starts to freak out. I'm like, damn it, crap, I'm caught. So I just shot him really quickly. And then the bodyguard starts shooting at me. So I shoot the bodyguard. Combat in this game is really tricky. Yeah. You can die really fast. So I'm on edge now because I still have to find that fucking egg. And I don't know where it is. So I have to, like, go in every single room. So I have to, like, hide. I take out a bodyguard and take, put in his outfit, so I'm blending in with a different disguise now. Mm-hmm. And I'm just walking around the, the building trying to find it. I finally find the porcelain egg, and I accidentally, I can't remember what I did, but I set off something, and all these guards are coming after me. I'm on the top floor of the building, and there's just guards coming, all the staircases to come and get me, and I have to get out. And that's usually the sign of, you're screwed, you're fucked, you're not going to make it, there's no way. But I did it. I had this total like awesome, guns-a-blazing escape from the mansion, and I got it was awesome. It was so much fun, I'm so proud much fun. Of you. It was that's a great game. That's we're, we're probably one of my favorites on the PS4. Really fantastic game. But then after that, who was the played, target? Was it Gary Busey? No, I didn't do that one. I'm sorry, I didn't do that one. There was another actor who was a target in there too. I can't remember who it was. Tommy Lee Jones. Maybe who knows? I have no idea. But Gary Busey definitely for sure. The crocodile from Lake Placid. <laughs> The Crocodile from Annihilation. That's what it was. Spoiler. God, that movie was so fucking good. It was really good. And I played a demo for a game. Ooh, what demo? I played the Kirby demo. And this is a game that... Which Kirby? Ker- like, right. So there are 100,000 Kirby's. Okay, Star Allies. Star Allies for the Switch. And download that right now. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. I was a little uncertain. I'm like, I don't really have a lot of experience with Kirby games. I'm not that excited about it, and then I played it, and I'm like, this is just joyful. It is not a challenging game, but my god, is it a fun game it, to play. Is this your
1: first Kirby game?
0: This is my first Kirby game.
1: It's like baby's first platformer.
0: Yeah, I kind of got fun. that vibe. But it's fun because you can, in Kirby, I've known in Kirby games you can inhale your opponents right. to become them, essentially. or take. On but in their, this, you can weapon. also, what was that? Or take on their weapon or ability or something. Well, that's what I mean, yeah. It's not like possessing. It's, like not, capturing, cap. like it's cap- not capturing. Like it? capturing. It's not cap- possession. It's capturing. You can also befriend them as well. So you have a team of like four people, or four enemies that are now your friends, and you can use your power in combination with one of their powers. So like I had the yo-yo. I had the yo-yo power, mm-hmm. and one of my guys was ice, and so I was able to combine, and then I had an icy yo-yo. I was able to freeze opponents with my yo-yo, and it was kind of. I started to realize, oh, there's fun things I can do to kind of combine these things together. But also, depending on what powers you decided to access, you might be able to get to secret locations and secret kind of coins and things like that. They're like crystals you would collect. And I'm like, this is a game I want to play. This is really enjoyable and really fun. You get to do a boss battle against the wispy tree, whatever his name is, which I know is a pretty. It's like Goma in Zelda. Yeah, it's usually the, the first boss of, of those games. And that was a fun boss battle. It was not a hard boss battle, but it was, just, it was just fun. I don't know why. It just it felt really good. It's really gorgeous. It looks fantastic. They have this really good um, depth of field effect as it kind of goes off in the distance mm-hmm. with the backgrounds. Yeah. Really good. It just looks fantastic. And I've only been playing it on the Switch screen. I've not put it on a TV yet. So I bet it looks even better and runs even better
1: mm-hmm. on a TV. About how long it's is pretty- the
0: demo? Not long. It's two levels. They are... Like an easy and a hard, basically. Gotcha. And hard wasn't that much harder.
1: So, like, if I set you off talking about a topic, can I like play it while you're recording your half of the podcast? No, I'm joking. Can't do that. I wouldn't (laughs) do that.
0: Yes, you would. You'd be like, "Screw you, Holden. I'm doing this now." And you do that, and then I'd I'd do my thing, and I'd be well. I just downloaded that to my switch. You should. And hopefully, I'll and have that
1: for next week to talk about as well. Maybe my impressions of it, and maybe how you might be wrong or right. Uh, I'm always right. So, but that game's not coming for a while, right? April, uh, 16th, May, so ten days. June, July, August, September. No, ten days. Ten days. That game's coming 10 in days. ten days. But there were a lot of games that came out last month in February.
0: Yes. Holden, and I believe
1: you've gathered some information on review scores and impressions, and let's take a look at those in a segment we call. The leaderboard. Leaderboard.
0: So let me actually load up some really quickly here. Um, so I did three games this uh this month. We're gonna talk about Metal Gear Survive. Survive K Day 2 on Switch. <laughs> what was that? Did you ever watch Reno 911? No. No?
1: Oh my god. Never. So, there's this cop on there named Trudy Weigel, and she dates this person who turns out to be a serial killer. But he has this. He has like these like child molester glasses, and he talks like this. I grind my own meat. Anyway, the character he was on that show is actually a character that he had on like an old ass YouTube video, like series of where he's just a character in the series. This is way off topic, but he he has this one where he's like he's are this guy is helpless.
0: What are you calling me? Challenge?
1: No, no. Yes, but he's are. out in the snow and he's like, here are my tips. Craig's tips for survival in the winter time. Three words: survive the winter. <laughs> it was like it was just his face. I'll send you a video link, and we'll look at it after the podcast. Sorry, back to leaderboard. Metal Gear
0: Survive. So we're gonna do Metal Gear Survive, paid a two for Switch, and then we're gonna talk about Moss, a new VR game that Ooh. sounds very intriguing. So, oh, with- okay. <laughs> Let's start with Metal Gear Survive. Overall on Metacritic, it has a 61. Its user score is a 1.4.
1: Yeah, that's probably bullshit.
0: That's people tanking it for the sake of tanking it. Yeah, so it got, out of the reviews, it got 14 positive reviews, 38 mixed reviews, and 5 negative reviews. I think it's a pretty fair way of looking at it. It's pretty mixed. Um, There's definitely, it sounds like there are good things about this game. And But there's just so much kind of bullshit surrounding it at the same time. Uh, right. So the, the big highlights that I've been, been kind of seeing talking about this game is that the gameplay loop is actually pretty addictive. Of going out, scavenging different items, and then kind of building up your base to make it better and better. And you kind of set these short-term goals for yourself. It's very much a scavenging game, like a Minecraft kind of get resources, build something up build your base or whatever you want to do. Yeah, But one thing that surprised me that was being talked about very highly, and actually knowing who made the game this actually doesn't surprise me, is that the creature design is really, really strong in this. And it's because it was made by Masihiro Ioto, or Aito, who made the first three Silent Hills games mm. the creature designs for this game. And if you actually watch some videos of it, the, the zombies themselves do look very, very cool. And overall, graphically, it looks awesome. It's a really it's good looking engine. game. Exactly. It's a Fox engine. It's the stuff that Kojima helped out with when he was, you know, there making good games. But when you get to the kind of the meat of the game, like, the story uh, is very lazy. The term lazy was used in many of these reviews. Really? Where basically the plot is a giant wormhole sucks you in to the zombie world. And then the rest of the story is just explaining what the wormhole was. And it's not interesting. Like, they just, it's not a very conclusive, like, oh, wow, what a major revelation. Gotcha. It was just stupid. And that's not really an interesting story when you compare that to the political intrigue and espionage of the Metal Gear Solid franchise, which had much stronger stories and better characters. Um, some of the mechanics in the game, they're like, there's a, a nourishment mechanic where you have to make sure you are well fed. And you've you've been drinking water. And every review, as they said, it was the most obnoxious, aggravating system mm. to deal with. And mostly because the all the stuff is laid out to you in opening tutorials that are just so long and long-winded. Like, it's just several hours of tutorials in the beginning of the game. So it just really beats you across the head with bullshit in the beginning of the game that you really don't want to have to deal with. But when you get into the game after that, it's it's enjoyable. Yeah. There are flat, forgettable characters, and it lacks the humor and personality of Metal Gear Solid, which doesn't surprise me because I think that personality came from Kojima. Sure. So that that's ass, all
1: brilliant, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> so that stuff's not very strong. The biggest criticism against the game is the paying for game slots, which yeah, oh my god, this we've is already ridiculous. talked about that. It's absurd. But overall, excuse me. Overall, it feels like if you're spending forty dollars in this game, you don't buy the extra game slot. You just use the one game game slot. It's not a bad game. Yeah. It's just being shit on because it's the Metal Gear franchise, which is very close to people's hearts, and it's clear that Konami made this to make money. Yeah. So the question I'm posing, I want to pose is: People say that Breath of the Wild was very positively reviewed because it was Zelda. Is this getting a poor reception just because it's Metal Gear? And if it wasn't Metal Gear, this might have been received more positively.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's not necessarily... Uh, yes, absolutely, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, it sounds like there are just some boring, broken, uninteresting things in the game. Aside from yep. the gameplay loop, which is
0: like crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. Crack cocaine. So speaking cocaine. of broken and not fun, uh, Payday 2 came out on Switch. Payday 2, remember y'all, Portuguese for I farted, Payday. <laughs> So we had talked earlier about Payday and how... I think we talked about this, how the... Basically... It's getting an older, unsupported version of it. Not not just that, but the developers don't actually update their console games. Like They kind of release it, leave it as it is, and then they don't do bug fixes. They don't do anything to really fix the game itself after it's been released. And for an online game, that's kind of frustrating... And, of course, it's tough to come across in reviews, but kind of hearing that, I was a little bit concerned to begin with. But it fared better than Middle Gear. It got a 62 on, Meta, on Metacritic, 6.8 uh, for user score, and it got five positive reviews, 22 mixed reviews, and three negative reviews. And the strongest thing people are saying about this game is that it has a great variety in its mission structure. You have different... You know, levels of complexity in terms of the heist that you're doing and who you bring on your team kind of dictates: am I going to go for a stealthy route? Am I going to go for a guns-a-blazing route? Will I never get the police involved at all? And I just kind of get away with it and it all goes out smoothly. But the problem is that it really requires the multiplayer and that requires the voice chat, which is really, really limits what you can do with that game. Right. So you can kind of do things like, hey, like I can see that my, my friend is in trouble, so I can go help him out. But. It's not the same thing as talking to your, your friends in that way. So there's a lot of content, but without the voice chat, it's not really worth playing all that content. It's kind of the gist of what I've heard. But when you do play a single player, you can do that if you want to. You can have AI companions, and they're apparently it's just atrociously bad AI to the point where let's say you can do a firefight. It'll take 30 seconds before your AI companions realize, oh, I need to fight back. Aww. Just really pathetically bad AI, which is unfortunate. Switch. I think it's a really clever idea for a game. You just yeah. build up heists. Like there's there's um, missions in uh Grand Theft Auto 5, which is just building up a heist and executing the heist, and that's all this game is. So I really wanted it to be good. But it does play well in the terms that it's 30 frames per second. The kind of this, the new stuff they do add. There are some new, never before seen heists that are in the game. So it's kind of a plus there. There's a new character Joy, which apparently does actually add quite a bit in terms of using hacking abilities to like tr- trigger security alarms. And or Joy has an LED
1: mask that matches the colors of the Joy Cons. So. Joy and Joy Cons. What? Oh! what? I actually
0: didn't put that together until you said that right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like all these Switch games, it looks worse than it does in PC. Of course, that's not that really. Means it has to. Surprising. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's not a terrible game, but it just sounds like it's not really worth your money. There are better games you can get. So this and is definitely school,
1: if, if you're looking to play this game specifically because PC. of this developer, go that fez IRL route. Yeah, get, get it, it on, on PC. PC. He was
0: right; PCs are better because payday two is better on PC. I farted too. Right.
1: The sequel on PC.
0: Holden, but let me head. Tell me about really one game. more charming, amazing game. Yeah, this was supposed to be a really, really good game. And I want a VR to play this game. It's called Moss. And it's a three to four hour platforming adventure game. In and VR! In VR. You basically control this mouse named Quill. And not only do you control the mouse, but you also control the environment around Quill. So you might be, like, turning objects to make it easier for Quill to jump on top of them. And it's What seems cool about this game is that a lot of VR games tend to focus on you're in this space and it's kind of – it feels like it's this big space you're in. Yeah. Or it's like life-size in some way. Where this is you're in a mouse-sized world. So you're kind of this big person looking down in this mouse-sized world and kind of angling around to kind of get a good vantage on it. I think it was Ryan McCaffrey. So Ryan McCaffrey – I can't remember who reviewed it at IGN, but he was basically saying that – Yes, this game could play well in 2D on a normal screen, but being able just to kind of get your face right up to Quill and he reacts to you is a really unique, very, very cool experience. And it's... Although it's short, like the puzzles in the game kind of immerse you heavily. Some of them are very simple, so they get more complex. I want to play this game. It looks really good. If you watch videos, the animations are so charming of just seeing Quill move around. He has a lot of personality when he's moving around. The only issues are pretty limited, honestly. That is, he had to reset the the uh, calibration a few times nah. for the VR. Sometimes some of the viewers were saying that things were slightly out of their field of view, and they were kind of uncertain if they were objects. It seemed like you could interact with them, but they were just out of the field of view, so you weren't quite sure. Gotcha. we were interaction supposed to be with them. But that's pretty minimal. The story didn't have a great ending, apparently, kind of just leaving it wide open for a sequel. A game with good gameplay, you want there to be a sequel anyway. Yep. So this seems like a game that if you have VR, it most were saying this is the new game they show off.
1: I can't wait. Like, I, I got Sprint Vector before before Moss came out. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. looking for a new VR game. And I had, like, the weekend free. And I was like, I'm going to play something. And then I got Sprint Vector. But then Moss came out, and I'm like, oh, God, you know what? I want Moss too So now You know that $100 Spend $100 on PlayStation Network Get $15 credit mm-hmm. uh, That's going to come around I've already pre-ordered, I pre-ordered God of War And Detroit Become Human um, So when I get that money I'm going to buy Buy Moss And we'll go a little bit More in depth With my experience on it In
0: the middle of the month Once we get that I'm jealous Watching this I I want to play this game It looks like a lot of fun
1: Dude Last week was the time To buy a VR and do it So you should just Go back in time
0: mm-hmm. No Thanks <laughs> Oh. Now. I'm buying a computer. I can't just be buying what VR was the, headsets. What did you say
1: the, the Metacritic score was on that one?
0: Uh, let me pull it back up again. It was 84. Eighty quattro. And it got 37 positive, two mixed, and no negative reviews. No
1: negative ribboos. Boom. Boom Shaka Khan. Well, Holden, thanks for taking us on a rundown of some of the games that came out last month. Oh, anytime chad anytime
0: at the beginning of every month at the beginning of every month mm-hmm. oh my oh my goodness uh, i
1: had a separate thought maybe this is something we talked about off the podcast or maybe it's something i'd talk to you right now about i had a thought <laughs> of maybe doing another leaderboard <laughs> another leaderboard throughout the month maybe about like when npd numbers come out and sales and things like that like what's sold the most this month oh that would be good go, yeah a i would about do that. that yeah i like, can look into that if anything's yeah so do more work I, I, I need to do more work, Chad. Oh, before we open up our quest log this week, I want to make one more reminder to you guys about photo mode. You still have until Sunday night, the March 11th at midnight to submit your entry for our first monthly round of photo mode. The uh, Check our Twitter. I'm going to make it our pinned tweet. Check our Twitter. I'm going to do that right now as I talk because I'm quite well, are... multitasking. Check our pinned tweet on Twitter for the rules of how you do it. It's really simple. Just take a picture of yourself. Shout out to Jerson, who I didn't realize this until he posted his entry that said, oh, I had to take a picture of this with my laptop because I had to have my phone. I was like, oh, I didn't think about that, that people have to have two devices. God, you don't think about anything, Don't worry. Next month is going to be very fun (laughs) and like Photoshop-ish focused with green screen pictures. But anyway, all I can say right now is... If you enter your picture before Sunday right now, there is a very, very good chance that you're <laughs> going to win 10 bucks. There's not a lot of competition out there right now. So uh, take that into account. And I just looked at Twitter. I didn't actually do anything while I'm multitasking. But I can speak at the same time while I do it as long as I'm not speaking about anything that I need to actually make sense about. So I'm going to go ahead and scroll through my news feed. And, You've uh, been tap mumbling on this, this whole time. I don't know anything you just said. And I pinned it. It is now the pinned tweet on our profile. Uh. Also, every, uh, I think Sunday or Monday, I posted it yesterday, or today, every Monday, we're going to do a stupid little thing, a stupid poll on Twitter. And I want to know who the fuck else voted for Game Potato. The poll that we put out, what's the best potato? Your choices were Idaho Gold Potato. Any other Potato. Or Game Potato. Two people voted for Game Potato and <laughs> I voted for any other potato. Did you hire somebody to vote for Game Potato?
0: <laughs> I didn't even vote myself. I'm a you didn't vote. Oh, so we had two people vote. vote for
1: Game Potato. Okay. That wore um, me. Wow. I was sitting in the, in the flex office Now it's supposed to change today. the name to Game Potato. The name of the podcast, <laughs> not Game Potato. <laughs> I was sitting in the flex office today and Gus was there and I said, Gus, give me a really stupid poll. And he said, What's the best potato? And I said,
0: when he was on the podcast, didn't we talk about potatoes?
1: That's why the very first option is Idaho Gold Potato, because that's the one he brought up. (laughs) Oh, man. So, Holden, now's the time when we open our quest log and we take a look at what the internet has assigned to us this week. And I'm going to talk about the first one, because I've decided that. So, hi. Our very first quest comes from comicbook.com Report PlayStation 5 may have backward compatibility with PlayStation 4 games. I'm not gonna not read a whole surprised. lot of this. Basically it comes from a patent that actually was filed back in twenty fifteen. Hmm. Uh from by Sony, uh with Mark Cerny as like the head person on the patent. Um the quote Mark from the patent. Cerny. Yeah, Mark Cerny, lead architect oh my on gosh, PlayStation he's, 4 knack, responsible for knack. Whose servers are going down." classic game. Anyway, the patent states the uh backward compatibility testing of software in a mode that disrupts timing. And then comicbook.com goes on to say we're not sure about the disrupt timing part of it, but backward
0: compatibility is as clear as day. Does it mean you can like do a um what do they call them in 3D the virtual console uh save points?
1: Save states? I doubt it. Or like if you the look further feature, into SNES? No, if you look further into the it's like messing with the time developer part of the tools and it's oh, something okay. else entirely that I don't understand. But I thought that was, uh, there are some people like saying, oh, that's, they started in 2015. This means backwards compatibility is coming to PS4. And I think comicbook.com and a lot of other places have kind of said this too. I think they're right in saying this is probably a PS5 feature that they're looking into ahead of time to make sure that when you make that upgrade, your PS4 library comes with you instantly as well. And I don't think it's something we'll see backwards compatibility
0: for PS4 this generation because we're already so late in that generation. Yeah, I also think that, to me, this is a a no-brainer. I mean, what's the likelihood that the PS5 is not going to use the x86 architecture? Right. It's going to have the same architecture, which basically means it should just work. You shouldn't have to do anything in the coding to really support the PS4. It should just work. Right, and they have
1: to. I mean, Microsoft is already, with Xbox backwards compatibility, and game preservation, like, that's important. So they, they have to, they can't launch PlayStation 5 and not address that issue somehow.
0: Yeah. Holton, read me another quest. So this is what I'm excited about. So Marcus Sellers is kind of one of those industry insiders. And he Ooh. tweeted today, there's gonna a Direct on Thursday. Extra. A Nintendo Direct. Oh, what? March 8th.
1: Oh, let's all get hype.
0: Let's all get hype um,
1: and then i all get disappointed
0: together. <laughs> it might not happen <laughs> we were all very uncertain about the january 11th are they gonna do it we don't know and then it just arrived that's right so maybe they're gonna do that again this time around i think it makes sense even after the january 11th i said either the next direct's gonna happen pretty quickly or it's gonna happen in march so there's yeah. a lot of they have to talk about they have to talk about mario uh tennis uh, super mario tennis aces whatever it's called they have to talk about Hyrule Warriors oh, when yeah. that's super coming Mario out. Tennis.
1: God, I'm, I always forget every minute that that game is coming out.
0: And then, you get super and then 60 excited. seconds from now, I'll forget it again. But then I get so excited. I'll remind you. I'll remind you. In 60 Thank seconds, you. I'll remind you. Thank you. So I'm not surprised to see that we're going to have a uh, another Direct. I wouldn't be surprised if they talked a little bit more about Nintendo Labo, maybe. Oh, yeah. Nintendo Labo. happening around that. I would say... It is possible they talk about online. They so no. don't think they want to wait until E3 to talk about that.
1: I don't know because it is—it's far enough away that I think. Well, E3 there was would already a, a story
0: thing. we did a few weeks ago where they mentioned that they wanted to talk about the online service sooner rather than later, and it okay. would be like in their next, their next kind of direct would focus on. Okay, we talk about so many things right. like crocodiles. I, and I recall that's Lake what Passage happened. And... So okay. I'm excited about that. It might not yeah. happen. But if it does happen, I expect us to talk about that next week.
1: Yeah. Hey, Holden. What are yeah. the next three quests here? They're ones you added, and I figured you read the article, and I didn't.
0: I didn't read any of these articles. I don't read. I don't know how okay. to read. Good. I just read um, headlines. I first you to learn headlines. English, and then you read the English <laughs> on the article page. So speaking of directs, Xbox is going to take a little bit of a uh, cue from Nintendo. Yeah. And they're going to have an Inside Q. Xbox event, which is premiering March 10th. So basically, it's going to be a monthly deal where they just talk about Xbox. It's a little yeah. show centered around Xbox. No idea what they're going to talk about. I don't know if they have anything to talk about. What games are they going to talk about besides Crackdown?
1: They apparently already um, they already talk once a month with like Major Nelson about some stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, headline, oh, we're releasing this new game, blah, blah, blah. Or this yeah. is what's going on in the Xbox ecosystem. I don't know if this will replace that. or I, I think they mentioned, too... I'm trying to open this up, but it's not uh, working. Anyway, I think they mentioned inside there, too, that they might have, like, new game announcements or things like that. So it might be very similar to a Nintendo Direct, which could be mm-hmm. pretty cool. And the going to be sitting down with
0: Rare to discuss Sea of Thieves this time around. So this are going to be talking about kind of current games, the games we have already know about maybe, just kind of yeah. more in-depth about them. I think this is smart. I think this is a strategy that even Sony should adopt. Yeah. It's just kind of these... You can't have everything at a trade show.
1: Yeah. You got to talk directly to your audience. Also, side note, that Sea of Thieves Xbox controller is gorgeous as fuck. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? It's the purple one with, like, the teal skull on it, and it's it's all the – look it up. It looks sexy as fuck. And while you look that picture up, I'm going to transition into a quest that I'm going to read now from IGN. Why is this on here? Why did we leave this on here? Sony's restructuring to focus more on first-party games? No, that's non-news. Of course it's focusing on first-party games. Shut up. <laughs> uh, here we go. Another one from IGN. Nintendo Switch playtimes are being reset after one year. Now, this is something that's kind of unfolded throughout the week. Basically, it's a, what seems like a bug based on Nintendo's reaction that a year after you get your Switch you're, or after you start playing a game – It will reset and say zero days played. I haven't
0: checked my Switch. I'm going to check that right now.
1: I haven't checked it either. So, like, your Legend of Zelda will wrap around. Once that 365-day mark hits, it will now say, you played zero days. Or you played it for the first time today. The
0: bug did not hit me. It It is apparently a bug. Oh, no. It did Zelda first played three days ago. Yep, yep. But then it it is ARMS is 35 hours. Splatoon, 70 hours. Right.
1: It'll be a, a year from when you started playing those games.
0: Oh, that's... But it's that's okay. Annoying. Nintendo so knows about it. A that, fix is
1: coming in an update.
0: Well, no, they have said that as well as that the data is there. Yeah. It's not like the data is lost. It's just being displayed incorrectly. Right. So I wonder if in the code it literally is just written as time played since March 3rd. It doesn't include the year in there. Yeah. So once it reaches March 2nd, it goes, oh, you've been playing this, or March 4th, you've been playing this for one day. Yeah, it doesn't that's probably it. I bet they just don't include the year. I don't know. That'd be poor coding, but it's probably something like that. Yeah. Holden, tell me about this Bethesda E3 shit. Bethesda E3 shit. So Bethesda just announced they're going to have an E3 event on June 10th. So they've officially put the date on there. Kind of just a small little announcement. But I think this is going to be a very big year for Bethesda at E3.
1: Man, it's because they blew all of their wads last year. And they all they came did. out by the end of
0: the year. Well, they didn't really have that big of a show last year. They didn't really announce anything hugely new, I don't think. But
1: everything they announced or everything that oh, they, they showed now. off yeah. is out now. So it's like, yeah, everything that they're – if they have anything at this show, which, of course, they're not going to have a show without it, it's all yeah. going to be brand new stuff because everything else is out.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this is one of my predictions for the year, when we did our predictions um, in January, is that Bethesda's going to announce one of their two big you know, Skyrim Fallout-sized games. Right. And I think that now is the time. They said they've been working on those games, or they first mentioned they had been working on those games in 2015. So yeah. presumably they already had a few years of working on that game to feel comfortable saying, it's our biggest game that we've ever made. Most ambitious game to date. We're taking this game to the next level. Level two. Um, I hate when developers World do 1-2. conferences like that. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I think it's, they're going to um, announce a really big game like that. It's not going to be Skyrim. It's not going to be Fallout. But it will be a new IP, basically, is what is being suggested. But the Ooh. confirmed thing is that we'll be hearing something from Bethesda June 10th i got to remember to request off E3 weekend.
1: Yeah, remind me in
0: two hours to request off E3. Are you talking to Siri? Yeah, I'm talking to Siri. Who the fuck do you think I'm talking see to? See your friend. Um, Chad, I want to hear about what PlayStation Plus is going oh, on. Oh, Holden. Oh, what
1: a month. I am so sexually satisfied by this month's PlayStation <laughs>
0: Plus lineup. Even though I am the same way, I already own both of these games. But I'm still excited for people There who are... This is probably the best... I don't know.
1: One of the best. Um, no, months it's the best for PlayStation it's the Plus. Best. On PlayStation Four, if you are a PlayStation Plus subscriber in the month of March, you get Bloodborne as well as the remaster of Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. I personally don't have Ratchet and Clank yet, so I'm very excited. And that actually goes live today, so you can download that. Yes, Bloodborne, fucking fantastic. And you know what I love about the... Bloodborne? What's that? The community around Bloodborne is launching a return to Yarnum hashtag return to Yarnum and a bunch of people, to make sure that other people who are picking it up now for the first time have a good experience, people who are veterans of the game are that's returning cool. to it to help them through all this shit. So it's a really cool oh, little cool. community that's thing. Oh, cool.
0: Bloodborne, I think, is the best game on PS4,
1: in my opinion. Oh, I would have to think a lot more. Ooh, yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn, duh. But I would, have, I would have to think a lot more where that is. It's definitely probably in my top five. Definitely, yeah. probably in my top five. That's words.
0: Science. That's certainty right there. But also, Ratchet & Clank is such a blast. That game is so much fun. It's absolutely gorgeous. It looks like you're playing a Pixar movie. It's just that good looking.
1: Remember me. Oh, don't, it? I'm going to cry. Pixar movie? I'm going to oh, cry. Do I just that. got that 4K Blu-ray the other day. I can't wait to watch it on my old LED screen. That's one of the best Pixar movies in a long time uh, Two other things about this The remainder of the games PlayStation 3 you get Legend of K As well as Mighty Number no. 9 Which is cross by with PS4 So now you have that on PS4 as well mm-hmm. uh, Not super excited about that I was never going to buy it but now I might actually try it To see how shitty it was And then on PlayStation Vita both of these games Are also cross by with PS4 so you're technically getting Five PS4 games this mm-hmm. month Claire colon Extended cut whatever the fuck that is And Bombing (laughs) Busters. Don't know what that is either. Bombing Busters, awesome. It's Dave and Busters in Fallout times. But it's not. Now here's the other thing, and this is a really good move by Sony. Sony, with this announcement, also announced that PS3 and Vita will no longer have PlayStation Plus games in the lineup starting March 8th, 2019. So they announced this a year ahead of time so that Yep, for the next 12 months, you're still going to get free PS3 games every month. You're still going to get Vita games every month. And after that date in 2019, any that you already have will continue to work as long as you're a member. So you don't have to worry about that. But they're just going to stop giving away free ones, I assume, because they depleted the Vita's library and everything's been free
0: now. <laughs> 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 um, and because a PS5's coming out and they needed to make room for that.
1: Kind of, yeah. They also No, it announced- is that. It you're is that right. Side. I am right. They also announced that... Uh, Sony told Polygon that once the changes take place, the PS Plus lineup will be comprised of only two free PS4 games. So they're not replacing those with, now we'll get six PS4 games. It's just going to be the two PS4. But I thought I'm that was a good move.
0: i not at least adding one more PS4 game.
1: I mean, who knows? They have a year. Things could yeah. change. They might also add VR games. I mean, mm-hmm. they kind of have those trials for like three months now with VR. Mm-hmm. Um... But I thought it was a good move, and I thought a year – notifying people a year ahead of time, I got the email from Sony saying, hey, by the way, this is going to happen. It's not just a press release. They actually emailed everyone who has that. Um, But a year is the longest membership they sell for PlayStation Plus. So that will kind of defer anyone who buys this membership for a year thinking – Oh, man, if they buy it in April, they're thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get a whole year's worth of PS3 games out of this. And then That's a come really next April, point. they're like, yeah. oh, where are my games? I feel I want a refund. So, yeah, I think that was good that they kind of let everyone know that. But what a fucking good month. Bloodborne. Oh, yeah.
0: Yas. Absolutely. Last big story of the week is that Nintendo quest. has quest added- holding Quest of the week. Last quest of the week. We decided
1: to name our kid a name, and you're going to call it by that name. <laughs> call <laughs> me by your added... name.
0: <laughs> I was going to do something wrong. I'm not going to. Read the quest. Were you going so to Nintendo apricot? added user reviews <laughs> to the Switch. Shut up. The Nintendo added user reviews to the Switch and then pulled them. Yeah, they and... were out for
1: a total of, what, three days?
0: Yeah, it so like three days. They said it was a trial. They were just testing it out. I think that's accurate. I think this is a part of the Nintendo Online service that they were just putting it out there to try it out. And maybe we'll see it
1: come back later on. So here's a, a tiny, tiny mini topic. I don't want to spend too long on this. Tiny mini topic. Are user reviews even worthwhile? Does that matter?
0: Um, You know, I actually do look at user reviews in, like, the App Store. I'm like, oh, I want to buy this game. Is this game good? Because there's not a review out for every single video game. Sure. Every single app. So it's kind of nice to see that stuff. But then you look at what happened with Metal Gear Survive and you're showing off the user exactly. scores for that. And it was given a 1.4. Yeah, if you notice in that leaderboard,
1: all of the reviews, you all of the scores and things like that you read were the critic scores. Yeah. I mean, honestly.
0: It depends on the community.
1: Yeah. On most gaming things, I don't even, don't even look. Don't even notice they're there. Even on like Amazon.com if I'm buying something, user reviews are the last thing that I look at. If I see it's a good product and some people have some, some comments to say on it and then I'll, like, actually look up a critic of, or someone who in that field has knowledge and I'll look up that review. But, I don't well, know. You, you get those dumb sources, reviews I don't mean. like,
0: I got the box and the box was busted. I'm like, well, it's probably right. because of shipping, not because the product is bad. Right. Like You had a bad delivery driver. I'm sorry.
1: Or I got this Android screen protector and it didn't work with my iPad. Because <laughs> well, you're a fucking idiot.
0: Well, I remember, like, even um, – Used to work in customer service, and I got a customer service response saying once a uh, bad score because the parking garage was crazy. <laughs> like, it's I like, have nothing to do with that. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, user reviews can be tricky, but it just it depends on the community. And I think that it's worth trying out. And if it turns into a very kind of uh, negative space where, like, Breath of the Wild's not getting perfect tens all the time, then I think <laughs> they should take taken away. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, Holden, now we
1: get to the part. Of our quest log, where we just rattle off the fetch quests. Basically, things that are just headlines that mm-hmm. we don't need to read the rest of the article. Would you like to Pretty rattle much. off
0: some of these for me? Sure. Let me look around here and see which ones I find are interesting. Um, data Mind uh, Super Mario Odyssey for uh, the Luigi's Balloon World update was data mined in Super Mario Odyssey to show that there are some new moon locations and some new costumes. So maybe mm-hmm. we'll see some more updates coming there. Cool. Detroit Become Human is getting a March 25th release date. Snap, snaps.
1: That's also the same thing as Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze on Switch, right? No. What?
0: That's March that's May 4th and Dark Souls comes out the same day. Ma- Dark Souls, Dark Souls. Oh, yep, I'll be playing Detroit. Be, I'm going to be playing Dark Souls. Um Nintendo was basically said that they're not going to be doing a update to the Switch like they do the 3DS line. They're not going oh, to right. They're going to kind of add new peripherals like new types of Joy-Cons and that kind yeah. of stuff. I'm disappointed by that news. Sad news. Twisted Metal creators' uh, studio shut yeah. down. not David good. Jaffe, drawn to death. Your turn, Chad. Your turn.
1: Uh, kind of around that same thing. David Jaffe was working on an Iron Man VR game pitch for PlayStation. No one asked him to. He and his team are just like, guys, let's make an uh, Iron Man VR game. Show it to him. Show them how cool it'll be, and hopefully, see. So,
0: it sounded awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, we also have Universal. This is everyone trying to capitalize off of Pokemon Go's success. Universal announces Pokemon Go style Jurassic World monster catching thing. Which Uh, makes sense. The biggest difference between this one and Pokemon Go is that you can actually, quote unquote, send a drone out from your location to collect things for you, which means that you can lay on your bed instead of having to actually walk to capture the dinosaurs.
0: You can lay on your bed and go around the corner on your phone. Well, it makes sense because Pokemon's all about capturing Pokemon. Just like Jurassic Park was all about capturing dinosaurs. Apparently you're like getting DNA from them instead. Anyway. Dinosaur DNA. Uh, Any Frantics
1: Adano one? DNA. Dinosaur. 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 Um Frantics is a new PlayLink party game. It launches today on PS4. PlayLink is like the kind of like Jackbox Party Pack almost. Like everyone has their own phone that they're playing with, which is cool. Uh, and this one looks like a Mario Party style game, which is pretty fun. Fun. that's out i haven't played it it looked fun i looked at the trailer studio that ported skyrim to switch asks to work on monster hunter so iron galaxy who uh yeah they did the switch part skyrim win. they're like hey by the way capcom give us the rights to monster hunter world we'll make it we'll try it because monster hunter world said or capcom said it'll be too hard to do on the switch I'm like oh let us prove it prove it to you i don't think it's gonna happen Ooh, we've already talked about the kirby demo Mm-hmm. Um, so Diablo 3 looks like is actually coming to Switch, rumored again. They released that stupid video with Diablo light switch going on and off.
0: Which they said and has then, nothing to do with the Switch. Yep, they don't understand why people are making that conclusion. Yep,
1: they're like, I promise we're not that clever. And then it, it. turns out there's an insider This is no, it's actually coming.
0: Still no official
1: announcement. It's- Turok and Turok 2 are now on Xbox One. They're a port of the PC from 100,000 years ago and apparently still run the same. Uh live action Far Cry 5 short film. Actually, I think this is out by now, right? I think I added this earlier in the week. And it's launching it on launch Amazon it. Prime on fucking when?
0: I don't March know. Well, you find Monday that March out. 5th.
1: Yeah, so yesterday. If you have an Amazon Prime Video, you can watch a five a Far Cry 5 live action short film. Oh, new Battlefield 2. Apparently follows Call of Duty back to World War 2 and will be called Battlefield V. Which is Roman Empire for five. So we went from 4 to Hardline to 1 to 5. That makes sense.
0: No surprise there. And we get two more stories on our fetch quest. My favorite is the full Yakuza game was accidentally released as a demo. Yeah. Oops. That's great. That got pulled from this, this PlayStation Store. Well, the original story was, man, the demo is 36 gigabytes. Oh damn! The demo's the full game. <laughs> That's kind of how that went. And then Xbox One updates adds fourteen blah fourteen forty p resolution.
1: I actually and did an- want to slightly touch on this a little bit more than. A oh official, my so gosh! Glad we don't time. This is a fetch quest. So yeah, it adds what we named specific language- child specific, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> the language used in this update makes it seem that all Xbox Ones get this update and the ability to do something kind of between 1080 and 4K, that 1440p. Um, so a little bit higher resolution, which is cool. I guess the games have to be support that, but maybe it's just like the mm-hmm. interface. But uh, another thing that I wanted to point out here is that Xbox, the Mixer app that it has like, integration with, that's from Microsoft, um, adds in the ability, just like PlayStation's had since launch of PS4, the ability for other people to take control of your game. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going through a part that's too hard and you're watching me play the game, you I can say, hey, Holden, remotely, you can take control of my controller. You can do it vir- like virtually by clicking buttons on the website, or you can plug in a PC, a, your Xbox controller, to PC to do that too. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, Holden, enough of those fetch quests. We have a main. Tell us about our main quest
0: now. tonight. What are we tackling? We're going to be talking about the future hurdles that our industry is going to have to tackle here, basically technological hurdles as well as business hurdles. And there's kind of some that we already know about, and I want to talk a little bit about some speculative hurdles, okay, okay, as well. But I think the the biggest hurdle that we're facing right now is going to be the transition from physical to digital. That's one that's yeah been starting, and I think it is both a technical and a business related hurdle, right? to To kind of go after, and the reason is that you have the technical hurdle is we can already download games but Australia's internet connections are way slower so if like a PS5 came out and had no disc would they want to buy a PS5 with no disc slot in there because they have to download their games it's going to take forever the internet is a lot slower over there so it's mildly technical but it's more of a business thing because people are seem to be concerned that like GameStop and all that's going to go out of business if they can't sell games anymore I'm not worried about that it's going to happen. Yeah, it will happen eventually. It will happen eventually, but I think people think it's more detrimental to the industry than it really would be. Best Buy is not going to go out of business because they can't sell video games. They sell washing machines and refrigerators as well. Like, they're going to be fine. They just don't sell video games anymore. They'll still sell the Xbox and the PS4 because they're still going to make money on that. So they'll still sell that. So right. it's not going to be an issue of, oh, we'll never be able to buy a console. No one will sell a console in store if they don't also sell the video games along with it. That's a ridiculous statement. That doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, there is that one UK chain that's threatening to stop selling the Xbox One over Games Pass integration.
0: But is it but- a games-only retailer or is it a best buy like, it's a game you're right. right it's
1: a games only retailer so that's yeah. like that's their livelihood mm-hmm. but yeah you're right it's it's going to happen eventually we still got to get our consoles the hardware itself somewhere unless maybe we don't who knows maybe a streaming platform will be the future mm-hmm. and
0: they just build it into tvs
1: build it into little, little tvs in
0: or we all just learn to love amazon that's also what's probably gonna happen yep you order your PS4 and a drone drops it in your yard in it within a Although, half hour.
1: there are so many horror stories in the last year of Amazon and gaming related things, like people who ordered SNES Classic and they pre ordered <laughs> it, yep, and then they don't get it for like months, even though they had they were giving them away on the fucking truck that they did. That, is, the like,
0: that is such bullshit.
1: Yeah, There's such bullshit. Or like people, like somebody, what it was people getting Switch, like they pre-ordered the Switch, but they get it like a week late or something like that, or they didn't get Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild right away and had to buy it digitally as well. So anyway, yeah, I think that's going to be a big thing, but I think it's, when it happens, it's going to be such a boon for creators, mm-hmm. because, ah, I forget the source that I heard this from, but recently I heard physical versus digital, like the cut that people take,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I think it was like... 45% of the like the the cost of the game goes to like shipping and paying and creating the physical disc and things like that whereas digital the developer actually so 55% goes to the developer, 45 goes to everything else. Whereas if you do it digital, it's like a 70/30 cut instead. So it's going to be yeah, better it's, for it's... our game
0: companies. It's the app store model. I mean, in the app store, right. Google Play and um, Apple App Store, it's a 30-70 split. Yeah,
1: and it, it also makes for easier certifications, easier downloading, easier to update a, mm-hmm. a patch and things like that. But yeah, I think that's our. I think that's our probably
0: closest hurdle. Well, you also that's one thing. The patching you wouldn't you would not have any more day one patches. Yeah, it just wouldn't exist anymore because they just the, the game you download is the update that released that same day. Right, if they had to do that. It just makes so much more sense. I think that in terms of like it being like the app store, it wouldn't quite be like the app store because Sony still has to vet all these games as opposed to, yeah, just put it on our store. We'll make sure it does what it says it, it does, and that's it. Like It's going to be more complicated than that, Yeah, but it still will open up, I think, a lot of potential for indies and that kind of stuff to price their games however they want. They don't have to think about, this is going to be on a shelf, and a $15 game on the shelf is not going to look as good to a $60 game. People will say... Well, that's probably less of a game. It's just on you know, the apps; it's not a thing. You see, a game is ten dollars or three dollars, and you don't—it doesn't really—you don't feel like you're getting less or more of a game based on the value you're putting down monetarily on it. If that makes any sense, yeah. Like I know, um, was it yeah Blizzard when Blizzard released Overwatch on consoles? They launched it at a sixty-dollar price point because on a store shelf, a forty-dollar game does not look appealing compared to the sixty-dollar games. But on PC on Steam. Overwatch is a forty dollars game. Yep, they charged it more on console. So I'd be interested to see too of how that pricing structure changes when you don't have to think about a store and selling it in a store, a physical store. I mean, right? It'll be interesting.
1: Interesting.
0: I think part of the physical or uh, to digital transition also ties into game streaming. Yeah, I think that's one. That's a huge technological hurdle. Absolutely. Yep,
1: and that's where like we heard google is starting to get into that space experimenting yeah. with it We've this is one
0: now yes and is microsoft gonna release one have they said that no the,
1: they haven't mentioned anything like on that front they will
0: they have they have really good servers like
1: google oh, does. actually no they will didn't they mention that they were going to try to do something like that like in the next three years
0: oh yeah um the ceo of microsoft did mention that um Satya nadella I think that's true.
1: We'll look yeah. into it and then probably not tell you. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's going to be a really important hurdle for the game industry. Because yeah. when you talk about generations of consoles going away, that I think will really run true when online streaming becomes a thing. You will just get Xbox. You don't need to update it every five years. You just have it. Yep. It's, like, it's going to be like having an Apple TV or Roku box. Right, like maybe it'll support better resolution output or something like that in the future, so you have to get that new one. But overall, it's the content you're pulling down and you're buying it on your Apple TV or your Roku. That's how they make their money. They don't right. really make money on the boxes themselves, and then also the boxes are a lot cheaper, which will open up gaming to a lot more people. Right, who maybe don't want to buy a five hundred dollars Xbox One X.
1: Yeah, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago where like when we moved that cloud-based uh, game streaming when we don't have to worry about like we can upgrade the servers and not have to upgrade our box. Like that makes things mm-hmm. so much easier and so much cheaper on the consumer end. Totally. Which allows us to kind of – then, of course, they'll charge with subscription models and services and things like that. but.
0: I don't mind though. I really, No, I don't I, either. Like I prefer listening to music on a streaming service because I'm not thinking about, oh, I've heard that album is really good. I don't know if I want to buy it, though. It's like, oh, I heard that album's good. I'm going to listen to it. Oh, I heard this movie's good. It's on Netflix. I'm just going to watch it. It's the same thing with games. I think that games are so much more personal in the sense that a really good game might not be good for everybody. And a game that maybe is mediocre might be the perfect game for you. Yep. And because, like, oh, I know this didn't get the greatest scores ever, but some people said this is a good aspect, they had some good aspects to it, I want to try it out, you're going to do that. And that's going to be helping that developer out a lot. Yeah. The tricky thing, though, with a game streaming service is how do you pay your developers? Right. So, like, a music model works on how many listens you get. With Netflix, it's generally, okay, people are going to watch Marvel Civil War if we put it on there. So we know that if we spend random number, $10 million to get Marvel civil war on there, then it will attract more users to our group. How does does it work in the sense of, Oh, Sony just pays gorilla to put a game on their streaming service. And that's how it works. Or is it the amount of hours spent playing the game? Yeah. It's
1: gotta be something probably you imagine in between those two things, like, mm -hmm. like the lump sum, somebody gets paid for putting their game on PlayStation plus for free. Something between that and way back when, when we first started recording, we did an episode on streaming services. And there was an indie streaming service that announced, like, we're going to be strictly for indie titles. And the way you get paid is we take the time spent playing your game, divide it up among the time spent playing everything else, and you get
0: that percentage of the streaming profits that we made. That's a better way of handling it. I was concerned because you look at a game like hellblade great game i love that game short game though yeah and that game has a budget that probably wouldn't be financially solvent i guess would be it if you six hours to play it but it cost a a lot of money to make that game like you're not gonna make it up with people playing six hours that game and only getting charged or even right. getting paid back for the six hours, like that, could really diminish the quality of games we see get out there. Or at least you start seeing these games where it's games of service, and how do we make games that can be played over and over and over again? Right. That could actually really hurt single player games more so than microtransactions and how profitable those are.
1: Yep. Then you might players. also see like get people start padding their games to make them longer, so that you play them longer and then they get paid mm-hmm. more. Like, yeah, that could never be some really makes obstacles. a game fun, right? So, yeah, I have mean, not thought about that. It's because I'm so smart. You're so smart. You was kind. So you smart. was smart. You was important. <laughs> What's that from? It's from The Help. I haven't seen The Help. You haven't seen The Help? Oh, it was a fantastic no, I... movie. Holden, shut up. Watch The Help.
0: It's with uh, Emma Stone and Octavia Spencer. Is Octavia Spencer in that one? Octavia Spencer, Viola Davis. She is, okay. Yep. Eat my shit. God, that movie was so good.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah. It has everything to do with online game streaming. Yeah, I need help sometimes in games and
0: I go to guides or friends. <laughs> you go to the help. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that game online game streaming is as inevitable as games going all digital. Yeah. It's it's absolutely going to happen. It just makes too much sense. And I think that's where we kind of get into the more speculative. Last Was it last week we talked about the future of Switch and we mentioned that... Every game box is just going to be a streaming device. Yep, and we kind of brought that into well. Then at that point, everything's going to be hybrid. It's all going to be just a tablet you carry around with you. You'll dock in your television because it doesn't need to be a box because it doesn't really process that much on the box itself. Right. So you might as well have everything be hybrid. It runs I'd the UI. Curious... It runs.
1: That's basically
0: it. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious how they market that because when someone sees the Switch, they immediately go, "Well, that's underpowered." I want my Call of Duty game to be as beefy and as good-looking as possible. And how are they going to tell people, no, 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 this hybrid Xbox, this hybrid uh, PS7 is more powerful than we were able to make our previous console? Even though it might not physically look like it's capable of as much, how do they convince people of that? How do they convince people that there's not going to be this crazy lag when you're playing your games online over a 5G connection? I'm just really curious what that's going to look like. Yeah, yeah. I it's think they've be... got
1: to, like, introduce that as, like, a concept or a feature of one of, like, an upcoming model. Mm-hmm. And then once people see, oh, that's a cool service that's op- as an option on my Xbox 3, mm-hmm. then they can finally say, cool. Remember that cool thing that was on the Xbox 3? Xbox 4, we're going all in. That's how you play your games now. So I think
0: they got to, like, give that little taste to people to convince them that this can work. Well, and I think a lot of ways you you saw that with PS3 and Xbox 360 where it's like, hey, guys, you can buy your games right on here. And the system was a little bit more rudimentary or primitive than it is nowadays. Like now we have these robust online services on our consoles. Before it's like – it was – they bundled in Netflix, but now you can really have any video service that you want on Except there. Except like... Switch. Except for on Switch. Um, I don't mind that, <laughs> but – so I have to mention that every time. I don't mind it's not on Switch. I know. So I feel like PS3 and how that kind of teased the bigger stuff we saw with PS4 and Xbox <laughs> One in terms of entertainment. I, I think you're right. It's going to be kind of similar to that. Yeah. But that's tougher to do then because then how do they say, would it be, hey, here's a box that only streams. The next one's going to be, we're going all in out on it. We're going all in on that. And now it's going to be something you can carry with you. Like I don't know. I guess I'm just curious what that transition looks like. I don't know. Like when you look at the history of consoles, it's gonna be box, 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 tablet. And that's gonna look <laughs> really strange looking yeah. backwards. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. You know what I
1: miss? I miss the PSP Go. You I had a PSP ahead... Go? Oh, I had a PSP Go. Hell yeah. I think it was ahead of really? its time. I had it all of my music of on it. I had... You had all your music on I it. I did. Yep. That's hilarious. You're like player. the
0: ideal Sony customer. They're like, oh look, he does it. He puts his music on yep. his PSP. Yep. <laughs>
1: Had all those games. I also did homebrew shit on it. Sorry, that's off topic. Shh.
0: Shh. Don't mention do homebrew. That's that's illegal. Shut up. Shut up. Shh. Two more things that are kind of coming up. we've kind of mentioned this already, but payment models. I think that microtransactions is a a hurdle that we're going to deal with for a while. And just yeah. kind of figuring out how do you really finance these games when they're getting so much bigger. I think yeah. we've talked to death about that in past episodes. So I'd say if you want to hear more about us talking about microtransactions, go find like a Battlefront Two episode. We have lots of <laughs> <laughs>
1: discussion
0: yeah. around it based on uh, based on that lovely game. The other one is VR. I think VR is very much in its infancy.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, this is. I as think v r Shuhei Yoshida says. This, like, PSVR is as if we're launching the PlayStation 1 again. Like, this is first generation. Yeah.
0: We're experimenting. Well, yeah, if you look at PS1 games, it's and even N64 games, like, yikes. Yep. 3D games were garbage back yep. then. But it was really exciting back Volumetric then. Volumetric fog. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, at, that, at that time, it was just, hey, we got to try everything. We're changing the paradigm of gaming. Yep. And I, I'd even go as far as to say is that's the least replayable generation of games. Absolutely, yep. I mean, SNES games and Genesis games hold up really well because they kind of perfected the 2D-style game. I think in VR we're that same period where it is just a bunch of trial by, by fire and it seeing what, what works.
1: People are trying out control schemes. You have everything from like Resident Evil moving around on a joystick mm-hmm. to sprint vector where you're pulling yourself and kind of propelling yourself that way and then you have moss where you're controlling things with your dual shock even differently like yeah, you people control just, the mouse
0: with the joysticks but you're using the motion at the same time to control right. objects in the environment like that's really complicated everyone's just experimenting like crazy
1: and seeing what actually works and what works well and then two or three years from now people are like cool now that we've tried out all these mechanics and we can take the best of everything else, we're going to start seeing some stunning games and then we'll see 2.0 and that's going to like
0: make our eyes bleed. I think it's going to be longer than 2.0. I mean, I would say 3D games didn't really hit their stride in a big way until the PS3 and Xbox 360. I think PS2 is okay. still figuring out a lot of stuff. Like, storytelling and video games really hit its stride in PS3. Yeah. And it's still getting improved a lot even now. So, I mean, we'll just kind of have to see. Going back to the whole control mechanisms, though, with VR, we still don't really know how movement works in general. Like, do you like to do tra- teleportation travel where you're just going right. kind to of jump somewhere? Or do you want to be walking? Oh, that can make you kind of sick. All right, we got to figure out how we're going to do head bobs and things like that. Do you turn in a pie chart or do you do smooth turning? Do you – yeah. Getting people comfortable with it in general. Like, there's just there's so much to do with VR. Yep. But it's hugely exciting.
1: Yep. And wireless. HTC yeah. Vive is already going wireless sometime mm-hmm. maybe this year with HTC yeah. Vive Pro. But that's that's kind of – it's interesting to talk about VR because I don't think I, – I do not think ever that that will be the only way we consume games. I still think people are going to have a controller Mm -hmm. in their hand, looking at the TV or looking at a projection or screen or something, a hologram. But I do think VR will be an established like platform.
0: You'll have. Well, I think it's like you look at movies. I can watch a movie on my phone or YouTube videos on my phone, or I can go to a movie theater. They don't really cancel each other out. Even, like, a home theater system, I know it's It's, not di- s- it's different. Yeah, it's not, it's not the same because exactly it is same It is
1: literally the same 2D experience on a flat screen, just the size of the screen or the,
0: the you volume can see of the a 3D movie in the theaters, and you can't see the 3D movie yet on your phone. If you want some phones, D-Box you can. seats, some of you can, but not everyone has access to that. Only really hardcore enthusiasts have access to that. Yeah. Are you going to get D-Box seats in your, in your home? No,
1: but D-Box seats are super rare anywhere in the world anyway, but... But yeah, not my, my I, I kind of understand that. Like, Texas has standardized. The experience standardized is D-box. something that's the difference between the two. But it's still every movie that comes to theaters, you could watch on your phone and have a similar mm-hmm. type experience. Whereas, like with Moss, I don't think that's a game you could play in 2D on a flat screen. Like they're gonna start I think they're gonna branch apart Sprint Vector. I don't think you could nearly have anywhere near as fun playing. With a shock. they're gonna they're gonna start to find their own separate audiences, and they're gonna be it's gonna become its own thing. I think there's gonna be gaming, and then there's gonna be virtual reality.
0: Yeah, also virtual reality is gonna expand far beyond just gaming. Yeah, it will it'll be a computational platform someday as well, and an educational platform. Definitely. What if you could well, like be on the moon, man? Well, so my dad he works for an insurance company, and they do these things now with simulations where. You can be in VR and be instead of a burning building to kind of see what that, like how they would do insurance claim based on the virtual yeah. simulation of that fire. You don't want to be in the burning building. You'd rather be in that safe simulation. <laughs> yep. So it's like it's it applies to many different things. I'm gonna buy a house in Greece. I'm not gonna to fly to Greece to do a bunch of house tours. I'm gonna to do virtual reality and walk, quote unquote, walk in those houses. Yeah. To get a sense of the space and you know if I like the space or not. I think in terms of VR, though, when you're talking technological hurdles, I don't think most people would use it in its current state with the screen door effect in the low resolution. Yeah. It needs to have high resolution. Yeah.
1: Right now, it's, it's a, a novelty.
0: Totally. It's a total novelty yeah. right now. It's, and not, it's not a, it's a useful tool until we make those tech improvements. You still feel like you're in a space. You still feel like it's a different reality in a sense but once the resolutions get kicked up and it's that you know retina quality where you can't see the pixels at all it's going to be yep. mind-blowing yep so it's very very mind-boggling cool those are some just kind of hurdles i had off the top of my head there can you think of anything else we didn't talk about at all no we
1: like covered let's, it let's all co- the everything every hurdle that's ever existed every hurdle for the future of gaming <laughs> no i think it's just kind of cool to have that little discussion there
0: yeah uh, next week we're going to kind of slightly continue this conversation and talk about the future of mobile games. Yeah, and kind of mobile games mobile, in general, yeah. kind of what that means to us because we really haven't talked much about mobile. On this we had podcast. that
1: episode where we had like our favorite mobile games where we talked about it a little bit, but and yeah, you talked about of... boost two a lot, but and threes and threes,
0: threes, threes, threes yeah. is a good game. So we're talking a little bit about that stuff, but if Nintendo does in fact announce a direct, we're probably going to talk about that and push the mobile stuff. Till Holden, later.
1: Are you trying to skip our subscriber interrogative?
0: Oh my gosh, we have a subscriber
1: interrogative. Yeah, we have a subscriber interrogative. Whoa, I didn't even notice. I'm I'm an idiot. Yep. This was uh a tweet from at Innis Chad mike that <laughs> was written on my screen and never tweeted but just put in the note instead. <laughs> this uh, is why I didn't see it. Yes. <laughs> so the the question was what game genres do you think are right up your alley but you can never get into?
0: This is the perfect time to ask me this question. Yeah? So I'm getting a MacBook Pro. Okay. Very soon. Okay. And I have a MacBook currently, which doesn't do gaming very well. Not that Macs do gaming great anyway. But I'll finally be able to play a system that can play Civilization mm. well. And I've it's kind of always up my alley where it's like resource management. And like I like playing Catan a lot. And it's basically a really okay. advanced version of Catan. Yeah. And it's soaked up my alley, but I've never I've never gotten into those games before. But I think I'm going to give it a chance, considering I'll kind of be in a better position to do that. But I've tried yeah. playing that game on, like, iPad before, and I just can't stand it on iPad. I don't know why. And by that same token, I should also really enjoy, like, SimCity and things like that. I've never gotten into a SimCity game. I just can't do it.
1: You never played any of those, like, Roller Coaster Tycoons? Nope, no. but
0: it sounds. It seems like it's right up my alley, but I've just never been able to get into it.
1: I've never been into those like resource management type things, like the SimCity mm-hmm. or like don't starve or like survival type things. Like you mentioned in Metal Gear, um, the nurse survive. System. Yeah, the nourishment. Like you have to find food and water while you're also fighting zombies. Like that sounds miserable to me. <laughs> but one thing that does kind of surprise me is RTS games. Every piece of an RTS game excites me, like the battle. I'm a I'm a fan of turn based JRPGs. I'm a fan of board games and kind of moving pieces around the board and finding like strategic positions. I'm a fan of light puzzles, which these tend to have as well. But for some reason, you put them all together in a Fire Emblem or an XCOM, and I'm just like, oh, that's the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. And it it might Mario rabbits. Except for Rabbids. Yeah, for some reason, I guess the charm of Rabbids, like Rabbids and Mario characters, kind of took that to a next level for me. But I think what might be the reason why I don't necessarily enjoy them so much is the very first time, this is so weird in my gaming history, but the very first time I ever saw an RTS game or like a strategy game in general was not until college. Like I had never seen a game like that. I never looked up a trailer for. Wow, you should Star-Grab get out more. <laughs> I know. But as a kid, I would play, like, hack and slash games or JRPGs or... Like, fast-paced. Right. In the
0: moment, yeah.
1: Uh, or even, like, Halo and things like that on Xbox. But when I got to college, I saw my roommate at the time playing Fire Emblem. And that was the first time I was like, what are you playing? And he's like, I'm playing Fire Emblem. He's like, oh, so it's like a RPG and you're taking turn- turn-based combat. And he's like, well, kind of, yeah. But then I also have to move my spaces on this grid. I was like, oh. And I watched him play it. was like, this is so boring to watch. And apparently it's have very you, fun to play. Yeah, have you played it before though? I have not played Fire Emblem before. You should. I've tried out XCOM. But it's just like, yeah, it, that so, shit
0: looks so boring to me. Even though I like all of the individual elements. I would say give Fire Emblem a chance. If you can actually, find a way to play Advance Wars. Because that's what kind of struck um, a chord for me recently. Or in this conversation, it kind of just came up in my head. I don't like RTSs that much, but because they're really, like, I I don't know why, like, it feels realistic in a sense, and I don't like that. And games like Fire Emblem and Advance Wars gamify it. Yeah. And they make it a little bit more apparent what's happening. I think at least, maybe it's, I don't have enough experience with RTSs, like I haven't played Starcraft or anything like that, or Warcraft, which actually, I saw Warcraft recently. <laughs> the movie? Yeah. It was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Good. Yeah, it was, I was actually, I enjoyed it a little bit. Not great, but I enjoyed it. Anyway. Advance Wars and Fire Emblem kind of simplify certain things, making other things complex, but, like, if I stand on a tree, I have better defense. Yeah. Like, just kind of small things like that. And you don't have to think too much about, like, resource management and all that too much. They kind of simplify certain elements of it. Give those games a try. They're really good. Especially uh, Fire Emblem Awakening on 3DS was amazing.
1: Well, I probably won't. You should. But if I ever I come across those games and I don't have anything else to do. And you don't want to hate yourself. And I don't want to hate myself. Maybe <laughs> I'll try it. Oh, cool. Thanks, to me, for that subscriber interrogative. Anyone else can Thanks, also tweet Chad. that at RespawnAimFire. Instagram us. sled in those DMs. Put it on our Facebook <laughs> wall. Email us. Again, everything now is at RespawnAimFire or Facebook.com slash RespawnAimFire. RespawnAimFire at gmail.com. And that's it for this week's episode. Yeah. Thanks for joining us again. Photo mode, very good chance of winning money. Reminder of our barf this month. Barf this month is uh, Far Cry, Far Cry 4. 4 and again barf is backlog accomplishments with respawn and friends. <laughs> I just call it barf all the time. I forget what it stands for. Um and then yeah, next week's topic we'll be talking about the future of mobile games and or Nintendo Switch Direct if that happens. If that happens, yeah.
0: Everyone Thank you enjoy for your week. Us. We
1: look forward to seeing your photo submissions. Until next week, goodbye.